Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. Light. Light peeks around corners, squeezes its way through the darkness, and knocks down doors. The very source separates day from night, wrong from right. You see, the very thing we call light is simply the absence of darkness. Jesus, light of the world, God incarnate, tramples out darkness when we speak his name and choose his grace. His hand stretched the length of a cross, across time and space to meet us here, in this very place. You see, we don't gather to worship some dusty idol on the shelves of our heart. Our God is living, active. He's been here since the start. We worship a God who is eternal, who asks us to join him in his work. Knowing full and well, it will take all of us choosing him day after day to one day see his kingdom come on heaven and in earth. The choice is yours. Are you in? Will you join in this adventure to say, Lord, no matter what, I will follow you forever. Light. Let us be the light peeking around corners and knocking down doors. Let's toss to Jesus all of our fears and cry out, we want more. Light. What will you choose? This daily choice is an offer we can't refuse. There's far too much at stake. What choice are you going to make? Whose side will you defend? Choose wisely, my friend. Light. Let us choose to shine bright today. And Lord, stir our hearts towards you, we pray. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, y'all clap. That's good. We're excited about Mary Helen using her gifts in those ways, and man, it just, it adds to the service, it gets us excited, it gets us prepared for what God is going to say to us, because I like what she said there at the end, she said, let us choose to shine bright today, stir our hearts towards you. That's what this whole series is about. You see, we're talking about um, prisms, and, and how if you take a prism much like this one, and you sit it right here on the table, it does nothing, Right? I mean, it's not spectacular, it's not extraordinary, it, it's not impressive or, or anything at all. It's just simply a paperweight. But the truth is, if you were to take this prism and you were to move it to a light, if you were to position it right, if you were to position it in the perfect place, then color would spring forth from it and it would change the world around it. Listen, it's our goal throughout this series that we would position ourselves just like that next to Christ so that his light would shine through us. And listen, I'm not just talking about changing the world in small, simple, ordinary ways, okay? Here's what I I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear us saying that we want to change the world so that people understand that that Kroger is a lot less crowded on Sunday mornings because there's a lot of Christians in this community. That's not what we're after, okay? What we're after is big change, huge change, life-altering change. We want our schools our businesses and our government to know that we're here. We want the poor, we want the underprivileged, we want the neglected to feel God's presence through us. 
We want families to be transformed. We want addictions to be overcome. And we want victories to be won. All because we position ourselves to reflect the light of Christ. 1 John teaches us all about how to get there. Today we're going to be reading 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and we're going to uncover what John says it's going to take for us to position ourselves in that way. This is what it says. It says, don't love the world's ways, don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Listen, these are powerful words. Let me summarize them so that you have something that you can take with you today. This is, this is what John is saying in this passage. We position ourselves for maximum impact when we stop wanting what we want and we start wanting what God wants. We position ourselves for maximum impact when we say, I'm done with what I want and I'm going to embrace the things that God wants for me. How many of you are glad it's something simple like that? Anybody? Yeah, see, this is difficult stuff. See, here's the truth. If you were to stop wanting leftover Valentine's chocolate and start wanting fruits and vegetables, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be better positioned to lose weight, okay? But here's the problem. I want chocolate, and I want the things of this world. See, I like the world's ways, and I like the world's goods. And, and John says in this passage, he says, look, the world's stuff is temporary, and it's, it's on its way out. But the truth is, in my heart, a lot of times, it doesn't want to leave. It doesn't want to go anywhere. And so a lot of times, I'm tempted to do this. I'm, I'm tempted to put one foot over here into the world's way of doing things, and one foot over here into God's way of doing things. And in doing that, I straddle the fence between what God wants for me and what the world wants for me. Let me tell you how I know this is a bad idea. You see, growing up, my parents had a fence in our backyard, and it was a chain link fence, and it had a lock on it. Now, I don't know if you had a lock on your fence as a kid or not, but what happens when it gets really cold is that that lock freezes up, and so you can't open the fence. Well, my brother and I were not allowed in the house for extended periods of time, and so we were forced outside to go play, and as we were playing, we wanted to go to the backyard. Now, being the strong, courageous older brother that I was, I volunteered my my younger brother to hop over the fence first just to make sure everything was good. And he got halfway over that fence. And I say halfway, I know it was exactly halfway over that fence because once he got one leg thrown over it, one of those metal spikes that sticks up out of the top grabbed hold of his pants and would not let go. Now for some reason, he got nervous and he started to panic If he had just focused and said, you know what, I'm going to do what it takes to get to that side, he would have been okay. If he had just focused and said, I'm going to do what it takes to get to that side, he would have been okay. But instead, in his panic, he went back and forth between this way and this way, and he got himself into a real mess. 
Listen, if you don't hear me say anything else today, hear me say this. If you straddle the fence between what God wants for you and what the world wants for you, eventually it's going to hook you in the pants. That's basically what John is saying here. And Jesus expresses this very same thing in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You see, you can't waver back and forth, but that's what a lot of us try and do. In the Old Testament, in the book of 1 Kings, Elijah is is having this incredible experience with God, and he's demonstrating God's power. And in doing that, he relays a message to the people. And he says this, he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. If somebody else is God, then follow him. But you've got to make up your mind. Listen, that's our goal this morning. It's our goal that that we would really throw our hands up high like we just sang about and say, Lord, I give you my life. I'm done with the fence. I'm done with the other side. I'm embracing your plan for my life. I'm embracing what you want for my life. And I'm going to embrace it with such a passionate force that everything else in the world just pales in comparison. How do we get there? I mean, how do we go from where we are to where God wants us to be? How do we reach a point in our lives where we say, look, God, I I genuinely want what you want for me instead of the things that I've been living for? Well, today we're going to look at a story in the Bible. And this is a a powerful story of a man named Abraham who, who got this wrong in the past. But in this particular story, he was living out this principle in a powerful way. And in living this principle out, we find an example that we can follow so that we can grow closer to Christ in this area. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Let me give you a little bit of background while you're flipping there. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. But before he could become the father of many nations, he first had to become a what? A father. But there was the problem. You see, he and his wife Sarah were getting old and they were still childless. And and frustration began to grow in Abraham's heart. And the Bible actually tells us that at least one time he completely lost faith. And he tried to manufacture a shortcut to God's promise. But here's what he finds out. You can't have God's promise apart from God's providing. Abraham learns this lesson. God provides for the promise and Abraham receives the son that he has waited his whole life for. But at this point in the story, God tells Abraham, you have to make a choice between what you've always wanted and what I have in store for you. Let's see how the story starts in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. How many of you like tests? Anybody? Okay, there's some people that like that, okay? You're not going to like this one, okay? Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Listen, let's pause right there before we get to the test because the power of this story starts long before the test begins. You see, God went looking for Abraham. And when God called out to Abraham, Abraham recognized God's voice and he responded to God's voice. Listen, that's just not, that's not just an introductory verse into the story of what Abraham is going to experience. That's a powerful posture for receiving God's 
plan. Here's the very first thing we learn from Abraham and his position so that he could experience what God had in store for him. We choose God's plan when we are available to God's call. First and foremost, we choose God's plan when we are available to God's call. Listen, you can't expect to know what God's plan is. You can't expect to be at the center of his plan for your life if you don't first make yourself available to him. Listen, I spent 12 years in youth ministry, and let me tell you something that every youth minister wishes they could tell you. The worst part of trips is when you get home and parents are not there to get rid of their kids so that you can go home. Okay, I'm going to just go ahead and say that for the youth ministers here, because I'm not the youth minister. I can tell you that. Listen, they hate it when you show up late, because after a lock-in where they've spent the past 24 hours with your kid, they love your kid, but they don't want to be with your kid anymore. And on one particular occasion, I remember I had spent all night up with a group of teenagers and, and we got back and man, nobody was ready to go home more than I was. And the kids started to get picked up one after the other, after the other, after the other. But there's always that one kid that doesn't get picked up on time. And this particular kid started to get embarrassed and I was trying to like calm myself down so she didn't feel like she was being an absolute inconvenient, um, you know, little student like she was. And so I, I was talking to her, spending time with her. And I said, did you, did you call your mom's cell phone? Yeah, yeah, I called. Look, and she tried again. And I said, did you, did you try your dad's cell phone? And she said, yeah, yeah, I did. I'll try again. And she did. And, and so I went and got the medical release form and I was looking and I pulled off every single number, including the emergency numbers that were listed. An hour passed and nobody showed up and nobody answered the phone. About an hour and a half after we got back, the parent comes through the back door mad as anything that he did not know what was going on with his child and what time she was getting back. I had to interrupt because he started yelling at his daughter for not informing him of what was going on. And I had to interrupt and I had to say, look, 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 we've tried to reach out. We've tried to reach out and you weren't available for the call. Listen, that's that's how a lot of times we interact with God. You see, we get mad because we don't know what his plan is. We get mad because we don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. We get mad because we're not where we want to be. But the reason that we don't know what's going on is because we haven't made ourselves available to answer the call. In the Bible, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what choices you have made in the past. God has a plan for you. And if you want to tap into that plan, you've got to be available when God calls, when God reaches out, when God wants to reveal a piece of that plan to you. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, sheep follow their master's voice because they know their master's voice. You see, through interaction, through familiarity, through the time that they've spent with their master, they recognize his voice and they're able to respond when he calls. I wonder, do you spend more time becoming familiar with the voices of the world or familiar with the voice of God? See, we've got to make ourselves available to him so that we can learn his voice, and we can respond when he calls. Let me tell you some ways that you can do that. You can do that first by just spending time with God every single day. 
I know that's overwhelming sometimes to think about. If that's not a habit that you're involved in, I know that can be scary to think about taking that step. But let me tell you something. We put in the worship programs a few verses that you can read, one every single day, so that we can get you started moving in that direction, spending time with God every day. And here's what's going to happen. The first day, it's going to be a chore. The second day, it's going to be an item on your to-do list. The third day, it's going to be hard to stay motivated. But somewhere around that fourth and fifth and sixth day, your heart's going to come alive because God is going to begin to speak to you through that discipline. And when he does, it's going to cause you to see him in so many things that you've never seen him in before. It's a habit worth starting. What about this one, being plugged into church regularly? Listen, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here, but statistics say that the average person is not coming to church but about one to two times every single month. Listen, you've got to be present so that you can make yourself available for the things that God wants to say to you. It's great to have a personal time with Jesus. You need to have that. But sometimes God is going to speak in community. And in a place like this, he's going to impact your life in a powerful way. You need to make yourself available to him. What about this one? Are you connected somewhere else? You see, this is a big church. We want to make a big church small by getting you plugged into a small group, getting you plugged into a serve team so that you can build relationships with people that are going to speak life into you. They're going to share God's plan with you through your interaction with them. God will speak through them and use them in a powerful way. Listen, there's other ways too, but here's the point. Abraham was available to God's call. What steps do you need to take so that you can become more available to the things that God wants to say to you? Let's see what happens next in the story in verse two. It says, then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Listen, I told you you weren't gonna like this test, okay? How many of you have kids? Anybody? How many of you have a kid in your life that you just sort of kind of like, okay? <laughs> then there's a lot of people that are not raising their hands right now, so... Um, I hope you got some kid in your life that you kind of like. Listen, if you have a kid in your life that you like, then you understand how big this is. God is asking for a sacrifice of his kid. See, a lot of times we get bent out of shape when we think God wants 10% of our income. God wants us to sacrifice that so that we can make a difference in the world. And we say, whoa, God, that's a little bit too far. But here he's asking for a son. And not just a son, he's asking for a promise to Abraham, this is so much more than just a son. It's a promise. This is, this is all of his hopes. This is all of his dreams. This is everything that he has ever wanted. But look at what Abraham does in the next verse. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. Why did he move so quickly to do something that was so difficult? Because the last time there was a delay in God's promise, what did Abraham do? He caved under the pressure. And rather than allowing that to happen again, Abraham says, I'm going to be obedient right now. I'm going to be obedient immediately I'm going to do exactly what God wants me to do as soon as God reveals it to me. I'm not going to linger. I'm not going to wait around because the longer I wait, the more my heart is going to shift. Here's the second thing we can learn from Abraham's story. The longer we wait to choose God's plan, the more likely we are to drift from it. Let me say it another way. Either you will choose your Lord or you will become subject to 
your lusts. Listen, if, if you don't choose obedience, if we don't choose obedience, then the world is going to pull us from it. You see, a lot of times we expect that we're just going to coast into who God wants us to be. A lot of times we think we're just going to coast into the place and the position that God wants us to be in so that we can feel his presence and we can make a difference in this world. But that's not how this world works. You see, as long as you're living on this planet, as long as you're living in this world, there's a constant pull pulling you away from God. It's like when you're standing in the ocean. And there's a pool on your feet that's pulling you deeper than you're wanting to go. It's pulling you farther and farther away from the shore. That's what this world does to your relationship with God. As God puts a plan in your heart, as God reveals a promise to you, this world is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to pull you farther and farther from that. That's why Andy Stanley says this. He says, we don't drift in good directions. We discipline and prioritize ourselves there. Listen, we don't drift in a good direction. We don't get where God wants us to go by accident. We've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to choose it. We've got to be intentional and say, today, I'm gonna live for you and I'm gonna do what you want me to do. I heard a story about former President Ronald Reagan and apparently when he was a kid, his aunt took him to go get shoes made and when he went to go get the shoes made, they asked him, they said, do you want a square toe or do you want a round toe? And he was, he was burdened by um, indecision. He just couldn't decide what he wanted to do. And so he said, I, I, I don't know. They said, why don't you come back in a few days and we'll talk about it then. A few days later, he comes back in and they said, what have you decided? What do you want? Do you want a square toe? Do you want a round toe? And he said, I just still have not been able to make up my mind. And so the shoemaker tells him, come back in a few days and your shoes will be waiting for you. When he came back, his shoes were ready and he had one square toe and one round toe. The, the shoemaker told him this. He said, this will teach you to never let people make decisions for you. And this is what Ronald Reagan said, according to the internet. He, sir, he said, I learned right then and there, if you don't make your own decisions, someone else will. Listen, this world wants to make this decision for you. This world wants to pull you away from things that are eternal and towards things that are temporary. This world wants to pull you away from things that are godly and towards things that are worldly. You've got to make a decision to say, I am going to be obedient to God and do the things he wants me to do because I believe he has a plan for my life and he wants to get me to a place where he can use me to make a difference in this world. Let me ask you, who is your master? Which plan are you following? What is your position? Where is your life pointed? Are you hungry for the things of God or the things of this world? If you can't answer boldly and with confidence, your indecisiveness will decide for you. Today, we've got to say, yes, God, I'm in. I will be obedient to your plan. I'm not putting it off till tomorrow. I'm not gonna give this world a chance to pull me away from what you have in store for me. I'm living for you, and I trust that you're gonna do something powerful through that decision. Let's see how the story continues as Abraham makes that decision. This is what it says, starting in verse three. It says, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. You notice what he just said there? 
We will worship and we will come back to you. Abraham has faith that God's doing something here. He has confidence that God is gonna show it. He doesn't know how. For all he knows, God has said, I want you to sacrifice your son. I want you to sacrifice the promise that I've made to you. I want you to sacrifice all your hopes and dreams. But right here, Abraham reveals, I have faith that God is doing something here. Let's see what he says next. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Listen, we don't have time to get into it today, but that's a beautiful picture of what God did through Jesus, who carried his own cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could have eternal life and hope um, of of salvation and Jesus Christ. But listen, he says, um, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his Father Abraham. Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Talk about a difficult conversation to have with your kid. You know, you're it. Um, He says, he says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Listen, even at this point, he says, God's going to provide. God's going to do something. God's going to move in a powerful way. God is going to make his presence known. Listen, this is a difficult conversation that Abraham had to have with his son, but he understood something. In the deepest part of his heart, he understood that God was faithful and God was going to do something. God was going to move in a miraculous way and God was going to make his presence known. Listen, that's exactly what happened. God did rescue his son. As Abraham raised the knife to sacrifice his son, he reached that point of no return and God intervened and said, stop, and he provided another animal for the sacrifice. Listen, here's the third and final thing we can learn from this story. We choose God's plan when we trust God's faithfulness. When we trust God's faithfulness. Even when we don't understand it, Even when we can't make sense of it all, we choose God's plan when we trust him unconditionally. A few years ago, I I took my daughter. She was four at the time. I picked her up from school and I had the plan of taking her to one of those like indoor playground areas that I knew she was gonna love. It was a new place we'd never been before and I decided I was gonna surprise her. I wasn't gonna tell her where we were going. And so when I picked her up, she's four years old. We're driving down the road and she loves Target at this point. We passed by Target. And she says, are we going to Target? I said, no, we're not going to Target. We're going somewhere else. She said, I want to go to Target. I said, you've got to trust me. I'm taking you somewhere better. She said, I want to go to Target. And I looked at her and I said, do you trust me? Do you trust me? If you trust me, stop whining. But do you trust me? <laughs> and this is what she said. I'll never forget it. Crying her eyes out. She said, I do trust you to take me to Target. I do trust you <laughs> to take me to Target had a better plan, but she didn't want to hear it. Listen, you can't have God's promise without God's providing. You can either fight to be in control or trust in the one who is. Listen, um, sometimes you may reach a point in your life where you say, God, I don't understand. I'm stuck, God. I don't understand. God, I don't understand why you haven't provided me with a spouse. I don't understand why you haven't provided me with a kid. God, I don't understand why you haven't provided me with that job. God, I don't know why you haven't provided me with a way out. Sometimes you may say, God, I I don't understand why I have to deal with the weight of this diagnosis. And I don't understand why I have to deal with the weight of this addiction. I don't understand why I have to deal with the weight of this loss. But listen, above all else, you've got to reach a point where you say, God, I trust you. 
It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be discouraged as long as you finish that sentence by saying, God, I trust you, and I trust that you have a plan, that you're faithful, and that you're going to do something in and through this situation. Listen, you may not understand the circumstances. That's okay. But do you trust the one who holds eternity in his hands? He will see you through this. He will get you to another place. He will do something powerful in your life. He will intervene and do something miraculous if you'll just trust him and wait on him to do it. Listen, we position ourselves for maximum impact when we stop wanting what we want and we start wanting what God wants. That happens when we make ourselves available to God. That happens when we choose his plan for our lives instead of letting the world choose for us. That happens when we trust him, even when things look dark, even when things don't make sense, and know that he's going to move in a powerful way. Do you trust him in that way today? Listen, Mary Helen said this before the sermon began. She said, this daily choice is an offer we can't refuse. There is far too much at stake. What choice are you going to make? Listen, we've got to make a hard choice today. You see, right now, I don't want to live for the here and now. Right now, I don't want to be stuck in a place that's anything less than what God has in store for me. We've got to make a choice. Are we going to live for God? Are we going to surrender to his plan? Are we going to do the things he wants? Are we going to continue to resist that and live for ourselves and miss out on the good things he has in store for us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want you more than we want the things of this world. God, the things of this world surround us all the time. God, we don't have to look for them on purpose, but, but God, those things are only going to offer disappointment. They're only going to let us down. They're only going to fall short of their promises, God, but you are going to keep your promises. You are going to be worthy of our time, worthy of our energy, worthy of everything that we have. And God, just like we've sung already today, God, we want to throw our hands up and surrender ourselves to you and your plans and the things that you have in store for us. Lord, we know that the things of this world are too small to live for, but God, the plans you have, God, they're unfathomable. They're immeasurable. They're so much greater than anything we could come up with our own. Lord, I pray that you lead us and guide us today to an important decision, God, to surrender ourselves to you, to go where you lead, to follow you anywhere, to know that you're gonna do something powerful in our lives. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I pray that God's working in your heart right now. I pray that he's doing something powerful in your life. Here's the cool thing about preaching. A lot of times I'll get done preaching. Mike has talked about this before too. And somebody will come up and they'll say, I heard you speaking directly to me when you said this. And we go, I don't think I said that. You know, we go back and look at our notes. That was not us. That was God moving in a powerful way. Listen, I believe that God is putting on your heart something that he wants you to do, some step he wants you to take, some act of obedience he wants you to surrender to. Listen, whatever that is, whatever's going on in your life, surrender yourself to it and say, God, I want to live for you. I want the things that you want. I want to live for the things you want me to live for. God, help me to move past the things of this world and to look at only you. Listen, if that's a decision that you want to make, you can do it right there where you sit. You can stand up and sing your hearts out, or you can come to the front, and some people are going to celebrate that with you. They're going to pray over you, and they're going to encourage you as you make those difficult decisions. Let's stand up and let's sing. 
Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.